Welcome back, everybody, to the Stark Wars podcast. Today, we are recapping Shang-Chi in full spoiler details. So if you haven't seen that, and if you haven't seen, like, if you're not just caught up on the MCU, uh, probably just a good idea to avoid this podcast, because uh, we'll talk about what this means for the entirety of that universe. So uh, get out now if that if that is you. But if not, we'll be excited to walk through this with you. And... Uh, I'm here. I'm here with my favorite little chicken pig. It's Tommy Pizzullo. Tommy, how are you, man? I'm good. And Michael, there would be no one else that I would rather park cars with than you. Just wanted to say that at the front of the you know top. That if I had to pick anyone in the world to park cars with, it'd be you right here, baby. (laughs) You know the second. I I don't know how common accurate this is, but the second I saw that they were valet drivers, I was like, this is. The only reason they're valet drivers is to explain a very cool car sequence, and uh, we got it. So, yeah. um, in all actuality, mm-hmm. I probably would be terrible at being a valet. Like, I'm a very slow driver. Uh, parallel parking takes me a bit. Uh, so, you all of it would have to fall on you. Like, you would have to do most of the work. And I'd be there for like talking to the customers. I mean, I'm not a bet. Like, I haven't been in like a serious wreck. But listen, uh, we'll bring in a designated driver today because we have a guest. Uh, it, it is one half of the Two Dudes Watch po- uh, Cartoons podcast, and we had the other half on recently. So we're just filling in the gaps here. It's Evan. How's it going, man? Pretty good, guys. You wouldn't believe it. A guy with a machete for an arm cut my podcast in half, and so I'm here without my better half, Alex, today. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about this movie with you guys. Um, the The valet scene, the vibe I was getting from that, it just reminded me of like Key and Peele and made me want to watch the valet skits from that. But uh, I'm interested to dig into this one because I know, Tommy, you said briefly you thought this was a great movie. Michael, you said maybe you were a little skeptical or or it was growing on you. Um, I have a feeling I might be the Wen Wu of this podcast, the disappointed father. Oh. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I'll be interested to to kind of track. And here's the deal. It's uh, for me, uh, I would say it's like top middle tier Marvel movie for me. Like I... Like I and again I love these movies so it like mm-hmm. when I tell somebody that like uh, uh it was okay that's not necessarily like when it's like if I love the MCU and it's like a middle tier that is like perfect you know like that I, that's exactly what I want and uh, it delivered it was it was a lot of fun um, I, I have some gripes and we'll go through them but uh, the bottom line is like I'm really excited to welcome Shang Chi into the MCU and also a lot of these characters too that come come with them. So, um, Tommy, uh, what, give us your uh, first reactions here. I enjoyed it. I, I would say like out of the two big Marvel films that came out this year, right between this and Black Widow, this one was way higher for me. Like I enjoyed the whole experience. It was cool. Um, going back into a movie where it's all new superheroes, right? Like we haven't had that for a bit where we were getting introduced to a new person in the Marvel universe. And that was awesome to see uh, Sang-Chi in here. And, and and the character as a whole, I did like that he was kind of mixed. Like that whole like good versus evil was really uh, debated in the movie and, and inside him, right? Because like he has, you know, 
good and bad in him from his parents. Uh, I think that was fascinating. I enjoyed, like I said, most of it. I really think I, I got to go back because I was going to skip over it, but I'm really concerned now. Uh, Evan, did, so your podcast got cut in half. Did, did, did Briz get cut in half or did you guys like separated? Like it's like there was a break in the, or is like now Briz is cut in half. Is he okay? Should we be concerned? Uh, he's doing okay. We're just separated for this evening of the pod. Um, but he did check in with me after he watched the movie. So, uh, he, he's maybe a little more on my side of the fence, but he really did enjoy the movie. Um, I don't want to speak too much for him, but, uh, I did get a chance to, to talk with him. He's, he's in good spirits. He's doing fine. No, uh, no mortal wounds. Okay, good. I was a little concerned. <laughs> just a little, not like fully. Concerned. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to talk about like uh, just kind of like more of well first and foremost I, I think we we open this movie with the introduction to our real Mandarin uh, Win Wu and um, this is this is uh, the whole fan the family of of uh, Shang Chi was really impressive to me I, I love his sister and I love his father and this is like this is like the core like and, and once we start getting outside of that i start liking the characters less and less but win Wu is a, a really awesome villain here um what what, what did you think of uh, win Wu as a character and his arc throughout this movie evan i loved win Wu tony leung in this performance he is a a, a huge uh actor in Hong Kong. He's, if you've ever studied any film at all, he's been in a lot, a lot of Wong Kar Wai's films. Um, and, and there are, in, in Shang-Chi, there are a lot of nods to Asian cinema, which I really appreciate. I think, I mean, man, I love this guy in this role. He's a compelling villain, probably one of the more compelling Marvel villains we've had. And I would say he's really just, he carries this movie, if anything. He's the emotional core, even though he's the villain um, and, and not the protagonist, uh, but he, he just really drives this whole movie for me. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. He was so good and like such a good villain. I honestly feel like they yada yada too much of his backstory. I could have saw a whole prequel of him just like discovering the rings and him discovering this like city and falling in love with, with uh, you know, the, the mom that we, you know, the person he does fall in love with, like that would have been a cool full movie. Like I was fully mm -hmm. into it. Yeah. Uh, that's a natural transition into the, the next scene we kind of get him in, which is that, is that moment when he meets uh, uh, their mother. I, I forget her name, but that, that was a really awesome uh, sequence, little fight sequence they did. And this is a thing that um, I've kind of seen <laughs> throughout um maybe more disney products like with uh, uh the other mcs but also with star wars uh movies as well it's when they put two two potential love interests together and they make them fight and and the way i look at it and i think the way the directors look at it is it's more like a sex scene where they can't have a sex <laughs> scene like like it's it's a way of showing yeah. how the characters bond and move together which uh, mm -hmm. that might be a weird way to look at it, but I, I, it's it's a theme. It is a theme. But the issue with that, Michael, is like they show us that scene essentially again, but with his son being the partner in the dance fight. So, <laughs> so what is that supposed to tell us? I did say during the movie, I leaned over to my roommate who was watching it, like, 
someone should and I'm putting this out there someone wants to do it they should mean that that scene where it's like the him looking at his dad his dad looking at him and then quote the Harry Potter line the you have your mother's eyes <laughs> <laughs> that should be the meme yeah. yes, yes, uh, I do um, I, I do really appreciate uh, the the first fight between uh, hit, uh, Wen Wu and Shang Chi's mother kind of a nod to uh, wuxia movies where they do this very like uh, it's on wires and they're flying around and doing backflips and uh like there's the dramatic slow motion it's it's definitely a cinematic style of, of martial arts film really appreciate that homage um and before we get too far away from the opening uh, let me just say i do as someone who grew up in a Chinese American family who heard Mandarin uh, spoken at home all the time. What a, what a bold and appreciated and um, just a, a powerful resonant thing to start the first five to 10 minutes of a huge American blockbuster movie completely in a different language. Um, I don't think we've seen it in the MCU before, but man, that was, that was powerful to me as a viewer. Yeah, it was something I actually noticed too, as as well. Like watching it, like I was like, "Oh, like I'm glad that movies are starting to not be afraid to use subtitles and not be afraid to, to to use other languages." And then obviously, for English films, have the subtitles there because like other countries have to do this all the time for American films. Like it's <laughs> it's okay. Like you can still be in a, a groundbreaking film like Parasite, a yeah. groundbreaking film in an entire different language. So yeah, I did like that Marvel's starting to like dip their toes into that water as well. And not be shy away from that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So um, more, more on this. It, it reminded me. I get like the only uh, uh, being somebody that is very Americanized, right? Um, I, I guess the only real connection I can make from this fight scene is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, but even something like that, and it, I, like I don't have any other reference to what it is. And again, like my American brain kind of tells me. Uh, that doesn't look right. You know, these fine scenes don't look right. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's more floaty. It's like, uh, it's, it's whimsical. Is it? And I think yeah. like one of the films that I think of, cause I really do like this film is like, uh, Kubo and the two strings and that like almost like magicalness to it, uh, that you feel when like she's doing her magic and the leaves and the wind picks up, like, that's cool. It was really well, fun. well yeah. Fighting. My second half of that statement was like, they found a way from, to integrate that fighting style, but also make it look like completely like you, like not only natural, but also very powerful. So I did mm -hmm. appreciate that a lot. Mm -hmm. The, yeah. So crouching tiger hidden dragon is, is uh, definitely one of the obvious um, nods and references. I think the director even has stated that in, in uh, certain interviews, uh, but that, that genre, this Wuxia style of film is very much like, it's usually set in ancient China uh, and, and there's like a lot of martial arts, but it's also this kind of ethereal, like almost fairy tale like portrayal of uh, ancient China. So you get those elements where people are floating around and doing, you know, kicking up leaves and they turn into a tornado. It's, 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 uh, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting to see. And it's cool to see that filter into uh, a Marvel movie. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about uh, Shang-Chi's backstory because we also find out, um, I mean, they, I, I, after this, of course, they kind of their, their family comes together. The parents are here and they, they have two kids. And um, I, at this point, um, 
I, I, I don't really know the connection, but there was a gang of some sort that came and killed uh, their mother. And this is kind of when things kind of escalate for all of them, really. Uh, you, you see that uh, Win Wu, he, he had retired the rings for a little bit, but they're back. Um, and I, I liked all of this. Like, this was a cool little upbringing for, for uh, Shang-Chi. So, Evan, what, do you have anything else on uh, his backstory here? Um, I, I don't really, um, I think maybe looking at the movie as a whole, uh, I, I agree with Tommy. I, I feel like I could have used maybe a little more explanation around Wen Wu and may, more specifically the 10 rings. They're very vaguely defined as to what their power is. They just float, uh, and he has some kind of telekinetic control over them and they're, I don't know. They seem to be an all-purpose superpower. <laughs> yeah, whatever I, scenario you need. Yeah, I agree with you. Like they don't really explain it, and I wonder, you know, going to the end, I I, I wonder if this is going to be. They didn't explain it on purpose because they want this to be the the thing that goes in between the other movies, almost like the pin particles. Kind of that, that was the technology that was kind of used to explain other things in the universe. I wonder if the rings are going to be that in a way of like explaining some other stuff because it seems like alien technology. Possibly, we don't really mm -hmm. know. It came down from a meteor. Who knows? Well, well, I, I think what I do appreciate, yeah, because they kind of they, they talk about it later on. Like uh, they mentioned that they might have been found in a tomb or a crater. They, nobody's really sure where they came from. But I do like because when you enter these Marvel movies, you expect there to be at least two more with the same character. And I, I feel like we have a lot of threads to pick up on in a second and third movie for Shang-Chi. And I think like understanding and figuring out the backstory of the Ten Rings will be something really cool down the line i i think i think it might be smart to leave that to mine in the future it's interesting that it is becoming like a like a song chi power because it, i mean he that's that's not you know his thing is just the martial arts and the the full power of the chi so it is interesting they're giving him the rings i love it like i think it's really cool and in a good way um we'll get into it if we how we feel about uh when we like and what happens to him but uh I do like the passing of the rings for the father son part of it as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about Katie. Katie is uh, one of the first characters we're introduced to as well, uh, played by Aquafina. Which, look, I I'm just gonna put it out here. Not a big Aquafina fan. Like I, I feel like I feel like she's playing the same role in every single movie, and it might and and and, and sometimes I can't value how funny she is but I, I don't think that she brought anything specifically new here for me and this is kind of like a lot of the stuff surrounding her character is when I start like second guessing the movie as well as how how good it might be um, am I out of line here Evan um, let me let me counter you with uh, you should watch this I was going to save this for the wreck at the end you should watch the farewell she won a globe for it. It's a beautiful film, um, and, uh, but I agree with you. It, she, outside of that, that, that was a more dramatic role. Um, her comedic performances don't really resonate with me all that much. Uh, you know, I don't know her from her. I think she came from a YouTube YouTube as a platform and, and grew a following there. Um, similar. I mean, similar comedic delivery as to what she did in Crazy Rich Asians, which I also didn't love. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. The weird thing for me, and this is maybe one of my gripes for for this movie, is that normally in a Marvel movie, the viewer assumes the role and they're discovering a world through the view of the protagonist in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. You're Peter Parker in high school. You're going through it. In uh, Black Panther, you're T'Challa trying to figure out the politics and, and balancing the new and the old world. In Shang-Chi, we're discovering the world essentially through the eyes of Katie and not through Shang-Chi. And it's really off-putting. And I don't know if maybe that's part of why this this movie doesn't sit so well with me. But, uh, you know, it's she she does a good job. She she's the comedic relief. Um, yeah, I don't know what else, what else to say about it right now. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I think she's like again. I, it's you take the words right out of my mouth, and you might have heard me. Is I was gonna mention the farewell too because I love that movie. Like phenomenal movie. She's really good in that film. Uh, but Aquafina is definitely a style. I do like her, but I can under I understand why people can feel like she's a one-note character. I think one of the things that she worked for me for most of the film, where it worked less, was when it almost seemed like they tried to switch her with the, the, the surprise twist, Trevor. They tried to make her a little more serious and, and make Trevor the comedic relief of the movie. And it was like a weird flop. They should have just kept her as the comedic relief, and I think that would have worked. But they tried to give her a bigger plot. And, I mean, listen, if you would have told me, you know, I'll even, I was going to say 10 years ago, but let's say five. That somehow Aquafina was going to be in a Marvel movie and give the killing, not the killing, because I guess technically, you know, other people came in and assist her. But she shot the, the big bad monster and now she's going to be in the Avengers, potentially. Like, I would have never called this. I would have ate my shirt. <laughs> I would have made so many bad bets. I would have never <laughs> called that this was going to happen in our time. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and to be fair, I think I am usually pretty skeptical of Marvel characters when they come in because you're like it's like the uh, the new kid at school, right? Um, and I th I think I had a, I was very reluctant with characters like Doctor Strange when they came in, but now they're some of my favorites, and I think there's still a lot of room for this character to grow. You mentioned I don't think this is the last of this character. I think we will see mm -hmm. them in many other movies to come. So I have not seen the farewell. So uh, I'm going to put that at the top of my watch list and I'm going to get back to you guys. So, uh, awesome. but uh, yeah, so uh, it, yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Katie, she just, uh, I, I guess you, you mentioned that she is like experiencing the world and I feel like at moments, like she has proper, like when she meets Morris later on, like she is like screaming, like she, this is like a creature uh, she has never mm -hmm. seen before. But then, after she meets Morris, everything else is fine to her. You know, there's no <laughs> like, uh, then the, the, yeah, there's no, they go to Talo, I believe the location is. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, she's just like, okay, I've seen the chicken pig. Everything else is just normal to me now, you know? And that, yeah. that was like, kind of like hard for me to believe that you're just, you're willing to like follow this guy into this mystical land with scary beings. And uh, yeah, it was, it, there's a lot for me to wrap my mind around. Like, I don't know that number one, I don't know if I would go as far as she did, but also I don't know if I'd have uh, such a calm reaction to it. 
I did like their friendship. I did like them as a duo. And I mm-hmm. liked like how they both dealt with the same issue, which is like they were both they both had potential. You know, I think mm-hmm. his was probably a little bit higher than hers. They definitely she's she's going past that ceiling though. Like people put a that Katie character, like everyone thought she was gonna only go to this potential. No, she's up there now. But yeah, like they had that whole issue and like like you see it. I did like the establishment with her parents of like Hey, like you guys are ballets and you are way smarter than this. Like this is this is not what you should be doing. And it was interesting. Like obviously we know his reasons is he's running away from the responsibility. Like he mm-hmm. had the chance. Uh, and I, I did like how they had a good chemistry that I, I, I hope doesn't go romantic. I, I think it probably could because that's what Marvel loves to do with any female and male uh, side, you know, characters. They love to put them together. But I, I think it worked as a friendship and their chemistry there was really well done, I thought. Yeah, and I, I do want to clarify. Um, I I think Aquafina does a good job with what she's given. I don't think that she was given much more to do. You know, there wasn't. There's only so much pizzazz you can put on, ultimate being the the comedic relief. And so, I think I would definitely credit that more towards the the writing and directing of that character than her necessarily her performance because she is capable of more um the thing about the love interest so this is another this is where i feel get conflicted about this movie and what it means for asian stereotypes and asian representation in media um part of the i don't want to say the marketing but part of the conversation around this movie is definitely about this being the first of its kind, the first Marvel, the first major movie blockbuster superhero movie with an Asian lead uh, and breaking, shattering stereotypes and all that. Um, and so when I, when I hear that and see that talk about the movie and you look at past leading Asian men in typically in martial arts movies and typically don't have a love interest. And and it's like, okay, love interests are a thing that Marvel does. Why doesn't the, the Asian male lead have a love interest in this movie? So um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of my unease or maybe uncertainty about this movie uh, is definitely just still me processing what this movie means and whether that's fair or unfair for this movie, just as a movie. Um, yeah, it's probably a little unfair, but the fact that we can have, uh, a primarily Asian cast of a major summer blockbuster that is by all means an okay, not great, not terrible movie that exists and got major marketing dollars and will probably make millions and millions of dollars. That's that. That is a statement. So I'll commend it for that. Uh, but yeah, that, man, there's a. It's my, my analysis of this. This movie is definitely uh, a little loaded. <laughs> no, and I think that's a good point. Like that's why. Like I'm glad we have you here because like that's a good point. Like I'm looking at it from like I'm just sick of Marvel doing it in general. But you're right. Like we do have to ask the question of like why doesn't he have a, a specific love interest? It does seem like Katie could go there, but like you do that for every other Marvel leading man, but not, mm-hmm. not for him. Like that is a question mm-hmm. that we need to be asking, you know, the Marvel uh, Supreme Lords that uh, feed us the content. Yeah. I, th- I think for me, it's not so much um, 
whether they are or not are are not together it's more so it seems like they were kind of on the balance beam of both right because the conversation comes up a couple times especially with katie's family and and like it's it's put on the table they're like oh are you guys gonna get together and it's like um i, I don't I, like I just feel like they, they have to either go all in one way or, or another. Um, <laughs> I think, ironically, uh, there was a platonic relationship in Into the Spider-Verse, which we covered on your podcast, Evan, that mm-hmm. I really, really loved and appreciated. And I think this relationship had the potential of like showing people that, like, hey, it's cool to have friends that are, are girls or it's cool to have friends that are guys. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. And that's something I like in media, but when you're kind of balancing the line, it's like, just pick a side here. Cause you can't have it both ways. Um, but I, I want to move on here. I want to move on to uh, our first big action sequence, which has to do with the bus, this and razor fist here. Tommy, what do you think of razor fist? I liked razor fist <laughs> to a degree. I don't know if you need to show up as much as he showed up. Like he they really made him the second, like big bad or like our main, the guy we could really like, you know, punch in the face to get our anger out at when we, like, it's like, but he's not, he's not that cool. And it's like, kind of, I don't know. Like, <laughs> he's this Russian guy or something. What is this? What is Razor Fist? He, he embodies the role of like the enforcer in an action movie. And so having watched a lot of martial arts movies or action movies in general, that's like what I grew up on is like, I was expecting a showdown with him at the end we don't get it. I was expecting a showdown with that masked villain at the end. No payoff whatsoever. Just zero payoff. No backstory of who or like really what his relationship to Shang-Chi was other than an abusive um, instructor. But I loved the bus scene because this is such a clear homage to uh, Jackie Chan's body of work, who is one of the greatest action performance and, and stuntmen in in my lifetime and uh just the pacing of it uh the playfulness of it there's like a real wh- whimsy about it and, and it's so fun to watch and it's almost a callback to um one of jackie chan's early uh, uh films police story where there is a runaway bus scene but they do it on a real they don't do it on a sound stage they there's a real runaway bus and Jackie Chan is hanging out the window and fighting people and going. So it, you know, another, I'm going to throw out recommendations throughout this podcast. I'm sorry guys, but uh, go YouTube Jackie Chan uh, police story, bus, bus chase. It is, this man did such amazing stunt work, Um, but we're here to talk about Shang-Chi and they do a good job and we don't get to see this type of up close hand-to-hand stuff that's where they they really let the the fight choreography speak for itself and they don't cut away too much which um i think we can i i i read that the stunt slash fight coordinator was actually one of jackie chan's proteges and was part of his stunt team and performed with him um the cinematographer i think did uh i forget what his name is but did work for the matrix which is also a very martial arts heavy movie um and so this bus scene is where all of that expertise and all that homage really gets to shine. And I really wish this is like the lane where this movie stayed because that would have been so, 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 so cool. 
Yeah, I do want I, to say I, at the yeah. Go ahead, Tommy. I do want to say at the top, uh, and I want to talk about him more. The the masked man's name is Death Dealer, and he's from the comics. And they completely just threw him out there to not even use utilize him fully, which they could have done. But we could talk about that later. The bus <laughs> scene was cool. The bus yeah. scene was really cool, really well done. Um, we got the return of iPhone guy from Spider Man, which was just so cool. That's the same guy recording. I on forget his he was in that. I yeah. saw I saw a tweet that was like, uh, "We I hope iPhone guy is the new Stanley cameo," which would I, be really funny. It was so funny, and he was like the right comedic beats, like all. It was like a funny scene, but a super well done choreographed scene mm-hmm. as well. And like, uh, yeah, I I loved everything about this. Ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. I think I think my big gripe, and we see it a couple times. I think they do a pretty good job at the ending, but I think a lot of the big set pieces leading up to it, I think we're experiencing what I would like to call the pandemic special effects, where um, I don't believe uh, I don't believe that some of the CGI was up to par with other Marvel movies, and I, and I think we I, I don't want to like diss the movie too much for that because I think we are living in uh, unprecedented times, and I feel like I, I might be alone in this, but it's, but there were some moments in this bus sequence where I was like, this this feels like uh, some of the stuff like I could see it coming out of like the original Hulk movie, which. Um, mm-hmm. I, I might be out of line there, but that's kind of how I got it. But I, I also want to talk about Death Dealer a little bit because um, <laughs> this is like my favorite type of character in these movies. I'm starting to realize it's like the it, it's the Taskmaster thing. It's the same reason I like Taskmaster. It's this big, tough, brute side character that has like almost nothing to do, but they look really cool. Like that is my favorite thing ever, and I think it. Be, I think it's because of Boba Fett. Like that's where it comes from. <laughs> like that's the. Uh, that's why I like this character. So I want to give some love to Death Dealer. I know he didn't have much to do, but this is. I, I like this stuff. This is what but, I like. But Michael, why make a big deal and then nothing? They literally wa- we watch him bully, bully him while in the training. <laughs> he was being such a meanie, and yeah, like he gets a fight, and we see him like be him and like about to stab him and his dad stops him but i wanted more like you build him up as like almost he was more his adversary than his dad was from what Mm. we can see in the flashbacks like it seemed like he was just tormenting this kid and yet he doesn't get his moment with him a a soul sucker gets him he wouldn't be that character if we had resolution and like uh uh like a, a big payoff Again, that's that's the thing, and I know I realize that this is like ridiculous, and like if it was any other type of character, I would be dissing him. But again, <laughs> I just liked his look, and that's all I needed. So that's it. Yeah, that's it's it. still an ice Leave cream sundae. Michael, it's an ice cream sundae, but it could be an ice cream sundae with a cherry on top. Why can't we get that next level? <laughs> All right, yeah. all right. I'd, I'd, I'd complain about the resolution if it happened. So yeah, Tommy, I think you're getting at what I feel is like the the maybe the biggest flaw in this movie is they introduce so many things they don't know what payoffs to give you. So the ones they do give you feel cheapened a little bit. They lay a lot of groundwork that doesn't lead anywhere. Um, like Katie's family, very heartwarming scene. Don't see him again. Not referred to uh, at all. Um, quick shout out to Katie's little brother. The actor is named Dallas Liu, who's recently cast as Zuko for the Netflix um, uh, Avatar series. So that that's cool to see this actor getting more work. But ultimately, 
they're just there to be like a set piece of, oh, this is an adorable family. But again, planting a seed that has no payoff. Maybe we'll get to see them. Hopefully we get to see them in, in, in more future Marvel properties. Yeah, they definitely were trying to juggle a lot. And like even like a character we've all said that we liked is when Wu is, I felt like they did a, a, a big job of trying to make it so that we didn't like him, but didn't like him to a degree. We still, he still need to be redeeming. Like they would do stuff like, well, he was bad. We're going to show all the bad stuff he did, but then he had a coming around moment when he got married and he gave up the rings, but then he's back. But now we're going to blame a voice in his head. So it's not really his fault because he's going crazy. It's like, they really did a job of like, um, riding that balance between bad times. Like, no, just make him go full. Like I almost want like a killmonger where it's like, he could be redeeming in some ways, but like let him be true in his in his view that power is key, and I, I think that would have been fine. Mm-hmm. All right, well let's move on to uh, my next big favorite scene here, and one of one of my favorite concepts of the entire movie. It's uh, uh, Shung gets a postcard, right, and uh, he's sent to this location, and he goes to the little fighting ring place, and I loved everything about this this is where we get our scaffolding fight this is where we see wong versus abomination for a brief second and then uh it's our introduction introduction to shy ling who is my favorite character in the movie so um uh, the this is this is the this is like the the peak of the movie for me uh evan what do you think about all of this any standout moments from like uh the the fighting arena place yeah we get uh, the clip from the trailer of Wong fighting the abomination who we haven't seen since Edward Norton's Hulk movie. Um, looking at the Wikipedia page, I think uh, Tim Roth is is uncredited in the credits, but he I think he did return to do the voice for that, which is cool. Wong, um, he pops up, you know, I'll spoil it, in the, in the tag... Uh, credit scene at the end so i'm wondering if he maybe will play a more more of an orchestrator role for phase four and beyond like a nick fury type thing and in, in, in bringing people together um i loved i, I like that they use fights fights and fight choreography as establishing relationships so when shang chi is fighting with his sister this is the first time they're reunited in i don't know six 16 years well, i forget what it is but uh so you can f- kind of feel that tension in the way they're fighting and he's pulling his punches and he's like hey you know puts her in a headlock hey can you stop and then she just socks him in the nose which i i find I just really enjoyed that whole fight. And then when you get to the scaffolding scene again, you know, uh, um, just to send up to like, uh, I mean, even um, as recent as like, as Jackie Chan's rush hour, rush hour two movies where they they're fighting on bamboo scaffolding. Uh, And so again, these, these moments are where this movie shines. And I wish they had maybe not leaned as far into the fantasy element um i really loved the 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 fight with death dealer because i was like oh this is gonna establish like this is this is not gonna be the final one but this is establishing his rivalry with death dealer and we're gonna get this huge payoff at the end and and i thought that's the way it was going but uh, i didn't quite pan out that way but uh, no i i I really loved all the action in, in this scene 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. Like, this is the stuff that works better. That kind of like we talk about the buzz fight being fun, like, and like this is the scaffold, and like, it's fun to see almost like this martial arts fighting in this like almost modern uh, time period, and it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, I love all this stuff with uh, with the illegal fighting and all that stuff. It did give me huge, and everything with the sister character honestly gave me huge power broker vibes. Everything to do with Magipore and the power broke, especially the end, okay. and like where she, her character goes. I don't know. That's just the vibe I got. But it's cool too. There's a, a lot of references to other things in the group of people that you see around. There's uh, actually an extremis where Iron Man three, where where we first see the man, uh, Mandarin character. You see one of the, uh, one of the extremist people in there. Uh, you also see a Black Widow. So that was a fun uh, nod to see one of the, the Black Widow actresses in the uh the fight club and yeah i i really thought this was well done i i agree with what you're saying about the sister and like the the fun you could see the fight and almost see their relationship through the fight they didn't even need to tell us where their relationship ended and how it ended because you could tell from the fight the fight scene i wasn't as big a fan of the abomination uh long stuff just because yeah it was fun but I just have – it's one of those they're throwing too much. They're juggling too much. They're throwing too much at mm-hmm. us. Like, I have a question now. Right. How are Abomination and Wong friends? They're, like, sitting there chatting. <laughs> that like, was so bizarre. <laughs> like, when do they hang out? Do they have club meetings? Like, I have, am I invited? Like, what <laughs> – so where, where did they transport to? Just a weird room? And that's my What issue was that? Either the Wong stuff. It's, like, why include Wong here? And it's, like, either you're doing it because this is the first, like, Asian-led movie, which, like – Okay, makes sense. He is, you know, mm-hmm. but is it or is it also just so that it makes sense why he comes in at the end, just to give him a reason, like tie into the movie? Again, if that's the reason, it's almost sloppy for me. It's like you're only bringing him in just so that you can have him come in at the end. It's like, oh well, he's already met him, kind of. You know, he didn't really even see them. He just <laughs> he was busy fighting. But mm-hmm. uh, I do like what they're doing with that character. I like that he kind of, like you said, is kind of taking like on the, the role of Nick Fury, it seems and almost lead in black widow. And for that matter of like where she ended up, where he's running kind of the things for Dr. Strange and running uh, what's going on in the Avengers side of things. So yeah, good stuff all around. I do like, if nothing else, I like that we have a little bit more to mine about that relationship in the future. Like uh, this is kind of like how the Marvel movies go. And like, it's almost like a, uh, uh, puzzle piece like puzzle pieces coming together slowly but surely as these movies come out and things become more apparent i would not be surprised to see more of wong and abomination and some explanation of what's going on there uh it's a fun friendship i'm down for it do you want the next buddy uh buddy tv show instead of sit aside uh captain america and the winter soldier we're gonna get abomination and wong the tv show <laughs> it, it, it would be way that. more goofy yeah I would definitely watch that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't have too much more to say on all this that hasn't already been said. That again, this is kind of like the peak of the movie for me. I, I had a lot of fun with that scaffolding scene. Mm-hmm. And uh uh yeah, this is this I guess we kind of find out it was their father that that sent the postcard to get like uh their little pendants that they had around their neck, these little pendant MacGuffin things. And uh yeah, this is where they get they get trap so um and i guess i guess these pendants are like the keys to um this uh mystical land Talo. is that right like i think that's what happened they um mm-hmm. yeah kind of convenient why why'd they have that like why would you get the keys to them and well because the mom gave it to them because the mom was from from the the village and she had the map it was the map to the village so this was like hey if you ever want to go back and see my family this is how you do it uh 
But I, I liked this part. I liked the, the the little map. Like it was a cool scene where they put the eyes in the dragon, and it's all mm-hmm. this like water uh, uh, scene. But yeah, I, I think that was the reason for the little the little gem uh, things. Um, but this kind of transitions us into like the next big character that we meet here. Um, we've talked about it briefly. Tommy's rolling his eyes. I am too. It's Trevor Slattery, somebody that had no reason being in this movie besides the fact that he was once the Mandarin or pretending mm-hmm. to be so. Evan, what do you think of Trevor Slattery in this? If they had left it at the one scene where they see him in the prison, I would have been okay with that. I would have said, oh. They brought back Ben Kingsley. What a delightful performance. But he, in this role, kind of wears on you. Like you said earlier, he takes on the comedic um, relief role kind of from, from Katie. He communicates with this little fluffy thing, faceless thing, which apparently is something from uh, Asian folklore I'm not familiar with. Uh, but yeah, a little too much i don't feel like he needed to be in the rest of the movie which un- unfortunately he was how'd you guys feel yeah you're definitely giving more credit than me i wouldn't i didn't even need him in, i didn't even need him in the jail they could have just had when we were just giving the explanation of like hey like throughout history i've had many names and like they even tried to i scared people as an or as a as a dish a chicken dish like i thought that was really good stuff like that was really good of showing like mm-hmm. a you're retconning the iron man 3 stuff because that was trash yes and then you're also showing like just how scary he is that like, he's literally like yeah they could literally name me after after a chicken dish and i'm still terrifying to you all you people in the world mm-hmm. like that was a cool moment for that character and then you're going to like it's like you already made reference to it we don't need Trevor because now you're just pointing that mistake even further in our face. You're showing how stupid that was to do that <laughs> from the beginning. I don't need to see that character ever again. Yeah. Wh- he was what- funny, but. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, Wen, Wu's, Wen Wu's lecture about the name and the power of a name, I, th- that's something that's super resonant for people of, you know, a different ethnic background. Like that's something immigrants and their children have to think about is you know do you when you come here do you adopt an american name Uh, my mom uh, chose an american name grace my dad didn't it's like it's this thing of identity and and so so i i thought i loved that lecture of like the power in a name and then you know after that very profound a kind of teaching moment you get trevor slattery and it's like come, come on just let tony leung tear apart the scenery and just like uh, I, I wanted uh i don't it know also undermines when we a little bit of like the explanation of why trevor's still there is like oh they just loved my comedy it was so good i was just i'm now they're basically jester Mm-hmm. Wen Wu does not seem like a man that would think his Trevor is funny. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> Wen Wu is not signing up for his, uh, his stand-up routines. Yeah. Uh, if nothing else, uh, I think we have to we have to touch down on this. has to be like the personification of Disney intervening here and saying, hey, we need some merchandise for this movie. Yes. We need to make some plush toys. And that is going to be Morris, our chicken pig. Um, it's like the this, porgs. Yeah, exactly. That's what, this is what they the do. This is, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like this little creature. Was, uh, there were some. There were some cool creatures when they get to Talo too. Like I liked the the realized version of like the Chinese lion um, statues that you see outside of you know 
Chinese restaurants here, but um, this reminded me. So Tre- Trevor Slatter being Trevor Slattery being one of the callbacks to obviously older Marvel movies. Um, I want to go back to just real briefly, just a throwaway line in the very beginning when they're at the bar. Katie and, and Shang Chi are at the bar with their friends, and her their lawyer friend has the one line referencing the Thanos snap. I felt at this point that's so unnecessarily unnecessary. Um, there was a scene earlier where he walks by a poster that says something about, are you still, you know, reeling from the effects of the snap? And it's like, that's all the reference we need at this point. You like, you don't have to call it out so directly. We know that movie is still the highlight of the Marvel universe two, three years later. Like you don't need to, I don't know. It was just too much for me. That reference specifically. They forget about the Soviet Accords. Why can't they just do what they do with that? Just like, you just forget about it, but you don't (laughs) see them forget about this blip. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I wanna because they they end up uh, they end up escaping here, and this is uh, again this is where we get our car sequence uh, where they're kind of driving through the the crazy forest, and uh, yeah, we we are introduced to Tao Lo. Uh, well, I guess we were already introduced, but uh, we get a better look at it. A lot of the animals were Pokemon, right, Tommy? I mean, that's... <laughs> oh, yeah, but Pokemon goes for it. But, yes, like, I mean, obviously, like, when I saw the, the fox with all the tails, I'm like, well, it's nine tails. But, you know, as, as many of us know, it comes from from uh, the folklore. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's a cool place. Tallow is a cool concept in the comics, even. It's not referenced a ton, honestly. But, like, it is similar to how they do it in, in the movie where it's, like, it is very hard to find. I think there's only five portals and they're all around like a base of a mountain. And it's like super obscure, hard to get there. Uh, I thought this was beautiful, but I do agree with you. It's like, it's weird. The movie goes from like this, like we see it in the modern age. And now we're back to our fantasy world. And, and, and some, like I said, some really beautiful creatures, uh, Fun stuff. It, it does take me out when you're driving a car through this bamboo forest and then multiple people. Like then when Wu does it, I'm like, man, this town, like, they got to replant all this grass. <laughs> <laughs> Who's covering this? Who's covering these tracks up? That's so practical of you, Tommy. <laughs> I'd be the guy in the background, be like, mm, like, digging up the grass, putting more grass down, cursing them. So um, in the comics, I'm not super familiar with uh, Shang-Chi or his, his background, but do, Talo, do they serve this kind of protector of the realm? role in the comics as well uh i'm the wrong person asked uh tommy do you, what what uh i i i know almost nothing about uh, the <laughs> besides the fact that a lot of the stuff was very problematic now looking back um i know almost nothing about these comics tommy yeah i will say like shang chi is like a big a blind spot for me like that's that like um so like i don't know the answer to this i, I don't mm-hmm. even know if they're fully connected because the little bit of research i did on tell out i didn't see a ton but I, again like completely out of my wheelhouse a little bit which was fun going into this movie not knowing much about it uh you know what I'm okay leaving it at that because I don't care that much to revisit Talo. Like this is where the movie just comes apart for me. And they do this with all of my problem too. And like why I'm a little blind on is like, I'm feel like I'm mixing bits of iron fist. Cause it feels so much like the iron fist style of like, Oh, he was like obviously very different. Cause iron fist is a white kid that was found and then raised, but it, it, it's that vibe of like, 
oh, he's protecting this village. It's this like very magical village. That, so I, I, I can't know because it's like too blinded in my mind <laughs> between those two. Yeah, so I wanna, I, I kind of just want to talk about like this whole third act as a whole, um, because there's there's a lot of stuff here, and I actually didn't, you know, this is kind of stuff like the more I think about it, I think it just it kind of gets, it's cooler and cooler in my mind. Um, w- one of my favorite moments has to do with the dragon that comes out of the sea, um, and I think they probably put maybe that's where a lot of their uh, CI money went, right? Because I think this was, I think yeah. it was very beautiful. Um, a lot of this fight scene is. Uh, what do you think of the dragon, Evan? Or dragons? There was two dragons. It's uh, it didn't it didn't do it for me. Like it was cool to see that represented. Honestly, the latter half the story arc reminded me of it's it's not a Marvel property, but Aquaman, where he. Uh, returns to a realm and comes out with a new armor and oh surprise there's a there's a giant creature that will help him protect the realm but um yeah the, the the third act this um and there's no reason you guys would probably know this but in more modern chinese blockbusters because chinese cinema um which I'll separate from hong kong cinema which is like a very revered thing in film study uh a lot of like chinese big blockbuster cinema in recent years are these martial arts movies and then they always fall into this trap of like devolving into an overindulgent cgi mess where there's giant monsters fighting each other and you lose track of like what is even the point of the fight tommy what you were saying earlier is like we don't know how to feel about uh wen wu it's like in this part, it's like, oh, Wen Wu really wasn't the villain. It was really this monster behind the wall. And it's like that that cheapens everything we did to get here. I, I not gonna lie, I wanted this movie, and maybe this is my my own expectations uh, being maybe too small or something, but I wanted this movie to be to like explore the the dynamic between Wen Wu and Shang-Chi. I th- I think there could have been a really powerful thing there. And they kind of do it but then they give it up for dragons fighting so i the dragon the great protector does nothing for me an example of a movie that i feel like did a lot of the things that this movie tried to do with like themes and stuff well was black panther and i think that especially also looking into the lore of it there's a lot of lore in both these properties and i i think this one just almost did too much at times uh, I do think with this final battle, it's hard for me. I had to watch it again. Listen, so I, I've been on this new kick of 4D movies because of the Suicide Squad. Uh, and I saw this one. I'll tell you. It's painful. I It needs a seatbelt. <laughs> it needs a seatbelt. We were like, I felt like I was in war. There's like this battles happening. The, the seat's shaking. I'm holding on. I'm pretty sure my roommate's going to fall onto the ground. Like it was scary. <laughs> Water's falling on us from the, from the waves. Uh I was right in it, you know? And so <laughs> the battle seems cool from my point of view because it was just shaking a lot. <laughs> I think the dragon was interesting. I expected, because one of the things I did like that they they dived into, and I honestly wish they would have spent more time into, is him trying to comprehend um, 
the two different styles of martial arts that he's learned. He's learned his mother's side and he's learned his father's side. And seeing him and then he comes to the decision, I'm like, no, I need to kill him, which is more of his father's side. And I thought the dragon would be almost a, like teaching moment of like, no, you have like the heart of the dragon in you. And like, it'd be a little cheesy, but like, I honestly would have rather had that than the dragon coming out and fighting with him. I would rather have been like, the dragon give, gives him something and steals something on him. And then we see how that works there. I do think the the big bad monster was interesting. In the comics, it's more Cthulhu-like and less dragon-like. It's more like a humanoid Cthulhu. This is fine for the vibe they're going for. I also think they're setting mm-hmm. up Fing Fing Foom in the future. So I think they want to set up this like dragon species. Okay. Okay. But that would be my only thought. Is like that's what they're doing with that. I, again, I enjoyed all this. It was a lot. Like I said, we lost the mask guy to a freaking soul sucker. Like that's how he's gonna go yeah. after he bullied. He bullied the kid, <laughs> and now a soul sucker gets rid of him. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get that justice. But the Wen Wu stuff of it, I'm all over. But the Wen Wu stuff of it, it, I don't know how to feel about that. Right? It's like it's almost like they wanted to have that moment of a killmonger where he like kills himself. You know, mm-hmm. does what he needs to do in that film. But it's. I didn't feel like we had a resolution with Ren Wu. We didn't really have a moment of him connecting. You know, if they wanted us to have that moment of connection with his family, what got him from from the point before to this point now? There was nothing that really changed other than, I guess, he maybe now knows that his wife wasn't behind the, the gate. But it, it just felt a lot of them expecting us to know what was going on instead of actually showing mm-hmm. it. Yeah, this might be... Uh... Because a lot of the praise that I'm going to sing of this final third act is has to do with some of the visuals, um, because I feel like it made up for a lot. I I hear what you're saying with the dragon kind of like overshadowing like the entire like they just kind of like uh, it, that's not what this is about, right? And but we do get a it's it's way too brief than it should have been, but there is a brief scene with uh, Shang Chi and Wen Wu fighting where they split the rings. And like, I wanted so much more of that because again, we have so much more investment in those two characters. And also again, it was very visually striking. Tommy, we talked about on the what if podcast, the importance of magical colors. Right. And I mentioned that orange is like that traditional good guy color for uh, the MCU. And then we get blue here, which I did not mention, but um, I, I, I can't really think of too many other connections besides the fact that blue very much symbolizes um, death and mourning and like sadness. And I feel like that says a lot about the character and like what he has gone through and losing his wife. And uh, yeah, again, a lot of the visuals here work for me and how they used color. Um, I really appreciated that. But I could have used more of it between Wen mm-hmm. and Shang-Chi. Yeah, I love this splitting of the rings. And, like, it does lead me to a question um, to put back on to you guys. Is it just their blood that can utilize the rings, or can anyone? Can anyone just take the rings, or do you have to be, like, when Wu's kids? Like, I, I couldn't tell if the mother took it in the beginning when she's having that fight. I always saw it as, like, she was transferring it, but she couldn't actually harness the power of the rings. But she could push it back onto him, as opposed to, like, Song Chi was able to harness it and, and, you know, take them from him, essentially. Uh, I don't know if there's an answer to this, but I thought I'd ask you guys what you guys think. Can anyone do it? Can I become the, can I have the Ten Rings? I didn't Maybe. even consider that, which makes me think that probably anyone can use them. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, that would, that would be my read on it, is that anyone uh, can, can take them. Because he did keep, I mean, even in the years where he was raising Shang-Chi and his family, he kept them. 
Um, then are they a powerful weapon then? If someone, if I'm using them and someone could just take them from me while I'm using them, that seems I would just keep those locked up. Mm-hmm. They don't seem useful to me as a weapon. Is it yeah. kind of like the the lightsaber and the Jedi deal? Like you can anyone can use a lightsaber, but only a Jedi can use them Probably. to full effect. Maybe maybe there's an element of you have to be stronger than the person who's currently wielding them, or there's a certain mastery required. Um, and, and that's where Wenwu's you know dialogue about like if you want to wield the the rings someday, like you have to prove yourself worthy or whatever. And this goes to your point earlier, which is they, there's just not a lot of information about the Ten Rings. Mm-hmm. They don't really dive into how they work. And I don't know if we need to. I might be yeah. overthinking all this, but sure. uh, that's also our jobs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so I, the the final conflicts with Wen Wu and Shang-Chi and his whole inner conflict of like, oh, I'm going to kill my dad. He trained me to be a killer, blah, blah, blah. And we only realized, we only learned five minutes, five to 10 minutes earlier that, oh, apparently Shang-Chi did kill that guy who killed his mother when he was 14. It's just like, why did they choose to reveal that so late in the movie? Uh, like, like, just the the order in which they release information to us just doesn't make any sense to me. Because for all intents and purposes, he seems super well-adjusted, running from his past, starting a new life. He's done it. And then then at the, you know, just before the third act of the movie, they're going to say, oh, but he has this um, inner turmoil of he did kill the guy. And we kind of referenced it, but we never showed anything on screen. It's like we didn't see him confront the guy. Like, um, I'm trying to think, is it Civil War that does the Bucky flashbacks killing killing the Starks like that was a better execution of them parsing out information to us to build this emotional suspense here. It was just like, Oh, by the way, he killed this guy. This is what he's struggling with. And and then, you know, nothing happens between that. And when he says, you know, he drops the ring or whatever and drops and says, I'm not going to kill you. It's just, it just doesn't work for me. This, this is, I don't know. I, one, I had a lot of unnecessary, maybe unfair expectations for this movie. But two, I'm really surprised because at the very least, Marvel knows how to put together a good 90 to 120 minute movie. Black Widow wasn't my favorite Marvel movie. It, you know, I don't think it was received super critically well, but like it's a it's a good movie. You can watch it. You had fun. It was, it's not super memorable, but it's a structured and written super tightly this movie seemed all over the place i don't know where that 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 marvel formula was and and a lot of times people complain about a marvel formula this really needed a marvel formula this uh uh, i I don't know well you you talk about that scene of like where yeah he like lied about killing someone what's a I i always think of like what what do we gain out of him lying about that nothing there's nothing that we gain from I guess because we, we were like, oh, he's such a good hero. And then they, it's that twist that it's like, oh, no, like he might have some darkness in him. But we could have known that earlier. I will mm-hmm. say I do like the flashback. I don't know if it's the right place for it, but I do love the flashback uh, from seeing the mother's death. I thought that was such an impactful scene. And the fact he had, he mm-hmm. watched the whole thing. He watched it go down. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But why not tell us that earlier? Exactly. Know? We could have got that in like the like while they're on the airplane. Maybe he gets a little sleepy. Maybe he took some Dramamine and he falls asleep on the plane and we get the little flashback. That could have been it. I just wrote the scene. <laughs> there you go. I think when it comes to storytelling, um, I think a lot of movies make this mistake of um, making an unlinear movie and like having too many flashbacks and, and kind of cutting back and forth in time. I think there's very few movies that actually do this successfully. And there's hundreds of movies that, I mean, thousands of movies that try to pull off this formula of like revealing information later on. And mm-hmm. it almost never works for me. So uh, yeah, that um, it's tough. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I did like this movie a lot. Um, I, I don't have, too much else to say about like kind of this finale um evan anything else you kind of want to leave us on as as we are wrapping up here uh, yeah i don't know it, um you know i sh- i should watch this again maybe with a less critical eye i went in really expecting and, and wanting to take a lot away from this movie and ultimately it just it just wasn't there uh so much of and it was really bizarre because I, I hadn't read any reviews. I watched this Monday um, and I came out of the movies feeling like I do now. I went to go see what the hubbub was on Twitter, what the reviews were. And every everyone is singing its praises. And I had this out-of-body experience. I was like, did I, did I watch the same movie? Like, it's like 90... 8% on Rotten Tomatoes right now, which, you know, I'm not for trusting Rotten Tomatoes all the time, but it's like, I, did you guys watch? It, it just, it, it was bizarre. I, I feel like I've been living in an alternate reality. I'm glad I've been able to, to come here and vent about this movie. I wanted this movie to be good. I wanted it to be uh, like something I could celebrate as an Asian American. And I, it's not it. It's, it's not it for me. I, I didn't love Crazy Rich Asians. I didn't love this movie. The Farewell. Mwah. Kisses. Love it. It's beautiful. Wait, Trevor uh, faking his death didn't do it for you? <laughs> that, that didn't really seal the tear? No, no it did not, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I'm excited for these characters to be in the Marvel Universe. Uh, I love Simu Liu as an actor. Um, he's kind of, uh, he's newer. He's newer. He's uh, one of my other recommendations is go watch him in Kim's Convenience, a really funny sitcom that centers on an Asian uh, Asian Canadian family um, that does maybe some of the cultural commentary a little bit better. And and may, it's unfair of me to expect that from this movie. Yeah. But for how everyone was talking about this movie, I don't think I was wrong to think that's what I was walking into. Um, no, I think you're allowed to want those. Want like you, sure. you should hold them to high standards. That's the only way we get uh, better cinema as we continue on. I, I double down on your Kim uh, Kim's convenience uh, recommendation because like yeah, great show and like he plays a completely different character on that, which is cool to see him come into this. Mm-hmm. And like I can't talk enough about this actor of like I've read a lot on like him and like he did no martial arts before like had to learn it all for for this film and then just the fact that like i don't know too much about this but like there's like things that are coming out of like he tweeted marvel long ago to to like be in yeah. this movie like before i think we were gonna do this movie and he yeah. did that. and i love stuff like that when like we see with peter parker like or peter parker but tom holland like someone <laughs> who's who loved the character before he ever even could have dreamed of being that character 
So that's, it's cool uh, that that happened for this actor. Yes, and uh, speaking of Tommy, I want you. I want you to kind of talk about the first scene here because. Um, uh, I, I don't really know what it all means, but I, it, there's a lot of intrigue there. So uh, what did you think of the first scene, Tommy, the first post -post? The long scene, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I also, I did love the callback to like the friends in the bar. Like I thought that was a really clever go-to that I just, I didn't think was needed, but I, I liked the, the, the nod. And then, yeah, uh, it looks like the rings are going to be pretty important. This is what I like. What I would gather from that, we see that Juan picks him up and is basically like, "Hey, like we need to study our wing, rings because uh, we just we felt it. We felt the impact of you taking them over." Which I think is also an important thing. Is like they didn't feel it when when Wu. It was like when Shang Chi finally got the rings. That's what caused this like moment. I I don't know. It could go to my theory of like all these things are going to culminate into like this one moment that changed the universe. Like all these things mm -hmm. happened at one time. Uh, but the other thing that I think I would like to talk a little bit more is, from my understanding, when Bruce Banner became Professor Hulk, he can't change back. That was like a perma, permanent thing. So I have questions how Mark Ruffalo is back on my screen and not Professor Hulk. I have a theory. <laughs> um, so I think... I think Mark Ruffalo will be showing up in the upcoming She-Hulk movie. And uh, okay. in order to save money on that budget, they will have to keep him a human. That is my theory. I think they're they're trying to take well, a step that's back. Smart. Yeah. Because yeah. I just don't see it as like a something yeah. you can turn on and off. Otherwise, it's like I mean, that was the whole thing about Professor All, because it's something that like he just permanently is this because you get the pros of the strength, but now you you're a giant Hulk all the time. You know? mm -hmm. I was gonna say my theory was very similar. They spent the CGI budget. Yeah, on I mean honestly, that's, all right, guys, that's you're right. Like, that's that's the reason. But I thought that was cool. Like that was definitely like a yeah. moment when I saw that. Uh, and yeah, it's like seeing the council again. I think what we kind of talked about earlier, like Wong kind of being in charge of this council, or at least a big big member of it. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Like, and it kind of goes along with what I've been seeing in the Doctor Strange. What I like is like, even though the Doctor Strange is the Sorcerer Supreme, Wong is kind of holding his hands through all this because Wong's been here forever. Wong knows everything. Is way more special than Doctor Strange. And so I kind of like the Doctor Strange is going to be doing all these mistakes and like is still learning. Mm -hmm. And Wong's kind of doing all the actual work for him. <laughs> I I had questions from this this end credit scene because so they're examining the the ten rings and. They were saying how Wong's never seen anything like it. Captain Marvel's never seen anything like it. I almost read that, and maybe I was interpreting it wrong as, like, could this potentially be from a different timeline or dimension? And then when Wong does the, like, the, the enhance thing and, like, blows it up, it's just this weird, like, nebulous thing. I was, I was like, what am I supposed to be looking at? Like, is this supposed to resemble the time stream and Loki? Like, I don't know. I don't think it's supposed to tell us anything yet. I think okay. the only thing out of that that we're supposed to know is it's sending a beacon to someone or something. Okay. Gotcha. I would put money on Fing Fang Foom as like an option. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I would put money on potentially that or something completely. We don't know. We don't know where, who, who's it calling. Who's on that phone? The Eternals maybe? Because I, I've heard, again, if, if this did come from a comet, uh, this is like uh, – these are very um, – 
cosmic forces and we're we're coming up on the Eternals. So um yeah, I could see the connection there. Tommy, I wanted to go to you first on this scene because I because again, kind of like Evan, I had this weird feeling like I was missing something with what was going on here. <laughs> so I was hoping you'd, but I'm glad that I'm not alone in that. Uh-huh. Um but uh let's go on to the second post-credit scene, which um I was talking to Robbie Freeman. He like before I saw the movie, I was like sitting in the theater, like messaging him before I watched it. And he was kind of like, uh, he's like, Don't miss those post-credit scenes. Like, obviously, I'm not gonna miss the post-credit scenes, but he said that. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, the first one is really good, the second one's skippable. I was like, okay, I'm still gonna watch it, you know. But mm. and I watched the second one, I was like, I like this more. This is better than the first one. I really because again, I'm a big Shy League fan, and seeing her kind of like take up the Ten Rings organization as her own. Um, like, I feel like that has, uh, there's going to be some really cool stuff to come in future movies about that. So, uh, Evan, what do you think about all this? Um, I, to, to be completely honest, I, I almost would say both end credit scenes felt skippable to me. They, I mean, they don't tell you much, but they also don't really, I mean, they, they said the 10 rings will return. So co- cool, I guess. But the first the long one was just like oh he's in a room with avengers he's gonna be in avengers at some point kind of expected that going in the 10 rings uh, i feel like if we had more time to maybe explore shelling and her motivations i would kind of care but it you know there was just so much happening in this movie but i'm glad to see that she will have a prominent role in something and i thought it was interesting that they said Ten Rings will return and not Shang-Chi will return. But I guess that's pretty obvious at this point that he'll return. So who knows? I don't know. Is this whole movie skippable? I don't know. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little torn on it. <laughs> I hated the second post credits. No, guys, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Because, because we didn't get enough into that character. It feels very after the fact, just like Power Broker. I compare it to the Power... It really felt like that. Like, she seemed like she wanted to be part of her family. We see her bonding with her aunt. And now she's going to run this evil organization. It just didn't make sense off the character. I mean, I guess it makes sense in her. Like, I build my own di- uh, empire, you know, with the with the fighting ring. Like, I see it. Mm-hmm. Maybe she won't be as evil as her dad was. Like, maybe the Ten Rings aren't completely going to be, like, a power broker evil. But it's like she's now running this business. I, I think, and, and to go off of why it's weird that they just said the Ten Rings, yeah. It felt like uh like now we're giving it to organizations. Like you'd be like, oh, Cat's America's gonna return. Now it's just like anything. Like, oh, the deli in Spider-Man, that's gonna return in the next movie, don't you worry. Like, we're just naming places now that are gonna return in the movies. So that's how I felt about that. But yeah, it, it was I'm intrigued. I think it's gonna be a TV show, is my thought, is this is pushing up like, hey. This character is going to come back probably in a TV show that's going to dive into the Ten Rings. I don't see it being a movie. I see it being mm-hmm. like they're going to be even now in the TV universe. My thought here is that um, they, I, I mean, I don't think they're going to want to say Shang-Chi will return because they're not sure if they want to have a second movie. I think they always put things out there to see what the reaction is before they uh, commit to three movies. But the fact they say the Ten Rings makes me think that there will very like like they will very likely be the villains of a different movie, not necessarily another Shang Chi movie. Like we, I think we will get that second Shang Chi movie, but we'll also get the Ten Rings splintering off into another movie. Um, and I also want to say like uh, Shailing, like we didn't. I, I think the issue here is we didn't get 
much to do with her character as a whole. But when you think about it, Shailene was much more involved with uh, her father. And you could see that there was a connection there more so than like uh, uh, Shang-Chi who kind of like ran away from it all. So you could see where, where like, I, I don't think it's a tough line to draw that like um, she was very invested in that side of the family uh, mm -hmm. as well. It's it's funny that you say that though because because her whole like motivations as a character what were was being neglected by her family and then on a meta narrative scale her whole character is kind of neglected and they're like oh well, you should care about this and the big change is like oh like now they're training men and women that's like that's what we gained from her arc yeah. like yeah, but don't worry, she's not going to be in the next movie. Just the Ten Rings are. Yeah. Ten Rings are nice. <laughs> the building is going to be in the next movie. Not that character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, recommendations, Tommy. What do you do? You got anything for us, Evan? I, I'll get that. I don't know if you have anything else. We'll get to you. Um, but Tommy, I want to hear what you got. I'll definitely like just vouch again for the farewell. Like that is definitely one of my favorite films. It's definitely my top five. Like I remember walking out of that theater and like. Uh, I could identify with the themes of family and specifically like some of the specifics into the film without diving into too much, but love the film. Thought it was uh, a great uh, movie. And I believe if, it might be the first movie or the second movie from the director. And I'm excited to see more from, from that director. Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, I'm trying to think, I've, I've honestly, I just actually went back and rewatched Harley Quinn. So I'll just once again vouch for an animated Harley <laughs> Quinn show. And I can't get enough of that show. I literally just keep rewatching it and waiting for season three to come out because it is a phenomenal show if you have not started watching it yet. This is like me with Black Summer, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> I, know, like I, only, I only get two. Once, now it's out. Now I can't do it again. Yeah, nobody, now, guys, that he actually unrecommended it by doing it a third time. Oh, do no. not watch Harley Quinn. Just kidding, watch it. <laughs> um, Evan, I know you went through a lot there, but is there anything else you want to officially throw out there uh, to leave us off with? Yes, I made a whole list. All right, so okay. just reiterate, Kim's Convenience, Simu Lu does a fantastic job in that. It's a great ensemble comedy, honestly. He's not even really the star. Um, the Farewell, it, I think it won a Golden Globe, but Aqu I think Aquafina won a Golden Globe for her performance in it. So she she is capable of doing a very you know powerful, impactful uh, performance. I don't think she was given that material here. Um, Jackie Chan's work pre Rush Hour, which was kind of his big not Hollywood debut, but that's what most people over here know him for. But he has such a long storied career, and he does. Like if you think of the the bus scene was cool, Jackie Chan does those stunts in real life with no wires, and it is he like breaks bones, and there's usually a blooper reel at the end of him trying all these stunts and failing and trying again. Uh, watch all of his work um, leading up to Rush Hour. If you want, um, if you're in the, if you really like the martial arts, the uh, like the close hand to hand combat stuff, I've got to recommend the Raid. Um, and the Raid 2, which are two action movies that are just hour and a half long fight scenes of that very well choreographed hand-to-hand -hand combat. Warrior is a show on HBO Max that um, is uh, taken from writings from Bruce Lee that his daughter then went and got produced. Uh, and it's this like gritty crime drama that happens to have a lot of really cool badass martial arts that takes place in... I think the 1800s in in um, 
I want to say San Francisco, uh, but around the time of like the Chinese Exclusion Act. So there is, you know, an element of uh, cultural commentary there as well. Um, and my last one, uh, I forgot to shout out in, in Talo, there's an old guy who teaches um, Katie how to sh shoot a bow and arrow uh, and they kind of buddy up towards the end. Um, but that actor's name or the character's name is Guangbo. If you can't think of him, he's just the old guy with a beard, but the actor's name is Yuan Hua. And he, uh, I, I knew I recognized this guy from somewhere, but um, he was in Kung Fu Hustle, which is a hilarious martial arts movie satire that came out in 2004. Um, but he was also the stunt double for Bruce Lee uh, very early on in his career. And he did a lot of work with Jackie Chan as well. Um, I'm a big martial arts movie fan. Uh, this movie, if nothing else, really makes me want to go watch a bunch of martial arts movies. So, you know, I thank it for that. And I, I you know, I may have been too harsh, but I, I just got to air out my grievances. Uh, and thank you for allowing me this outlet, guys. Yes, of course. Uh, it was a lot of fun to have you. Um, actually, I what are your recs? Yeah, I'm about to pause because I'm trying... I'm trying to remember the name of this. Okay, nope, here it is. Here it is. Um, well, I got two of them because I had one at first, and then as you were talking, I, I had a second one. I've been dying to see the Raid movies um, because uh, I've heard a lot of good things, and that's like my type of movie. I, you know, I love these long action movies. Another one um, that has a, uh, a primarily Asian cast is The Night Comes for Us. This is another one. I, I was on Netflix when I saw it. I don't know if it still is, but this is another one that like it is like completely bombastic when it comes to like and it's also like I don't even know if it's more martial arts as much as it is like uh, it's just very violent. It is very violent. It is very gory and there's a lot of fighting and it's nonstop. And if that sounds like something you're into, um, it's got, it's almost like it's like, uh, I mean, it's the same kind of John Wick type uh, fighting stuff, but it's also dialed up to where I feel like there's way more fight scenes and then also they're way more gory. So <laughs> if you, you want to experience that, and that's kind of what I pictured the Raid movies being like. I don't know if that's exactly right. Yeah. Can, can I give you the, the two second pitch? It's a SWAT team has to clear floor by floor a building of, of gangsters. It's like a, it's like a video game. And yeah. mega violent, but I haven't heard of uh, what, what was it? The night, the, the night comes for us. Okay, I'll have let to me see if it's still on that because people, you gotta. I mean, uh, Tommy, if I don't know if that's something that sounds like it interests you, but I would also push this on you a lot. I think you would like it. I don't know. Is it too scary for me though? I'm like uh, a not, PG. I'm like a PG rating. I can't do horror. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it is not on Netflix anymore, unfortunately. But um, yeah, if you can find like, a do way I to need to be it. hiding behind underneath my blankets? Um, no, uh, no, you wouldn't need to. Okay, <laughs> maybe I'll give it a try. All right. Um, uh, in my other recommendation, another movie came out this year with a. Um, it's a. It's a. There's a lot of connections to uh, Shang Chi here with a lot of the cast. Um, another Aquafina movie. Um, uh, uh, it's a Disney movie, uh, and it's Raya and the Last Dragon. I haven't um, seen that yet. Hmm. I really, you know, I, I, I would be curious to see what you think, Evan, but this was another movie that came out this year that, um, 
I mean, it's one of the most visually beautiful animated movies of all time. And it's hard to say. I mean, it's like easy. I guess it's easy to say because, I mean, it's like a very new animated movie. And that's what happens with animation. It gets better and better. But it is incredibly beautiful, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. And from what I've kind of gathered listening to other people, it really encapsulates like um, and maybe you could read this in a good way or a bad way. But it kind of like takes a lot from many different sides of Asian cultures and incorporates it into one thing, which mm-hmm. I've heard some people say they really like that. And I've heard some people say they really don't. So, um, but I, I'll, I, I just find it cool to see like um, uh, the amalgamation of like uh, Philippine culture and like Chinese culture and like how it can come together and mesh and meld and, mm-hmm. and be powerful in that way. So Ryan, the last dragon, it's really funny and it's really beautiful. If you have not seen that. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Maybe I'll have to cover it for Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, which is my other recommendation. Yeah, pl- uh, plug this for us, please, because uh, you know we we um, we we love the Two Dudes podcast. We've like totally like I feel like we I, I would have you and Briz on all the time if we could. You're like some of our favorite people to talk to, so, That's so I kind. definitely recommend you guys. And I want you to tell people where to find you and all that good stuff. Yeah, you can find us. Uh, our podcast is just called Two Dudes Watch Cartoon. Me and uh, my good friend Alex Brizard watch cartoons, animated television, animated films, and we talk about them. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Two Dudes Watch Cartoons or on Twitter at Two Dudes Watch. We've had Stark Wars on uh, a couple of times, and we love having you guys on. If we had 10 rings, we would give five of them to you guys. Uh, it, it's it's such a blast getting to chat with you guys. So I really appreciate um, being on here. But- All right. That, uh, that takes us to the end here. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. We always appreciate it. I want to give a couple thank yous before we close us out. Big thank you to Aaron Robertson, who does our music to kick us off here. And Ethan Kellum, who did our logo. Um, also like to remind you guys to rate and review us on iTunes and please subscribe because uh, we're going to be here every week. And this week we're here twice a week. You know, we're doing What If and Star Wars Visions is coming out soon. Evan, are you excited for Star Wars Visions? I am really excited about Star Wars Visions. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not super in-depth knowledgeable about Star Wars lore, but I love that whole world. Uh, and it, it is going to be like an anime. These are Japanese studios animating it, correct? yes cool yeah yeah, Yeah, yeah. love that um it'll be interesting i I think this is our well maybe not our first but this is moving away from like the skywalker narratives perhaps maybe well i think it's gonna be because it's an anthology show as well so i think there will be some episodes that might be more interconnected than others but that'll that'll be interesting to see awesome yeah how can i excited yeah yeah so, uh, but yeah, please subscribe and uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Stark Wars Pod. And also ask us for a Discord link because we got a small little community of folks that chat every once in a while. So if you want to get involved in that, uh, shoot us a message. We'll, we'll hook you up. Yeah, shoot us um, a message. We'll send you the gems that you had to put inside a dragon statue. <laughs> then that will give you a map so that you can then get to the Discord. Uh, we couldn't have a two-hour movie with, if there weren't gyms and maps and other things. It's got to be a little more complicated than that, Tommy. Uh, but that's all we got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye!